Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. And this morning, finally, uh, we're going to start our series on Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah or the Christ. And I'm going to be taking from the book of Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I'm dividing it into parts which we will cover till the end of the year. Chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew speak of Jesus' birth. And I believe that the birth of Jesus is important for various reasons which I'm going to talk about. But one of the things that I wanted to share before I even go into this is that while we were in Israel, we also went to Bethlehem, which is the birthplace of Jesus. And while we were in Bethlehem, we were in the street waiting for people in our group to shop and, you know, go to stores in the, in the area. And there were a bunch of street vendors selling things in the street. And I went to Israel along with my daughter, my seventh. She was 17 at the time. She just turned 18 this Friday. My 18-year-old daughter. And we were sitting on the sidewalk just waiting for the people to finish their shopping. And one of the vendors, like uh, in his 20s, maybe early 30s the most, went by selling his things. And he saw my daughter. He saw my daughter. And when he saw her, he said, beautiful. She's beautiful. And he said, I want to marry her. I'll give you a hundred camels to marry her. And I thought, a hundred camels? I said, a hundred camels? And he said, yeah, do you know how much one camel is worth? And I said, no, how much? He said, one camel is worth $40,000. And I started doing the calculation in my head. And I said, 40,000 times 100, that's $4 million, man. I don't know if you've ever been tempted in your life. But I was already thinking, how do I tell my wife when I get back that my daughter is no longer with us, but I have $4 million. But anyways, it, it was interesting. And it was funny at the same time to experience something like that. But can I tell you something? She just turned 18 and now the bar has been set way high. Because I said it to a few people that I talked to. I said, listen, whoever is going to marry her, the bar is set really high. Because I was already offered $4 million to marry her. The person that wants to marry her needs to offer me minimum $4 million. So that's going to be a tough one. But I'm praying about that. I need, we, we could use that money. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. After Matthew goes through the genealogy of Jesus, from verse 1 to 17, in which he establishes Jesus' origin, where he came from what his lineage consisted of, establishing in particular that he came from the line of David, King David. And therefore, 
making the case that he also had the right to be part of that lineage as king and Messiah. And so Matthew establishes the fact that Jesus has the right to be anointed as the prophet, as the priest, as the king that was prophesied to come, whom we call the Messiah. And so he says, starting in verse 1, chapter 1 in Matthew, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. Your version might say the Christ. And I just want to quickly go ahead and explain this to you so that we know where we're at because the title of the series is Jesus the Messiah. So you have to know what that means. So Jesus, first of all, do you know what it means? Jesus means Savior. Jesus is the Greek translation from the Hebrew Joshua or Yeshua which means God saves or Savior. And so in Greek, it is translated Jesus or Jesus. And therefore, Jesus means Savior, the Savior of the world, the Savior of our sins. And now Christ is the title given to him by right. Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one was the one that was chosen like David, King David, when he was anointed, that meant that he had been chosen to be king. So the anointing symbolizes being chosen by God to fulfill a particular purpose. And so Jesus, listen, is the Christ or the Messiah, the anointed one, meaning that he has been chosen to be the savior. So, Christ is not his last name. It means that he had been chosen or has been chosen by God to be the savior of the world. With that, we should establish the foundation. That when we speak of Jesus, the Messiah, we're speaking of the one who has been chosen by God to save the world. Salvation cannot come from anywhere else or from anybody else but Jesus himself. Why? Because God chose him as the vehicle through which he would save the world. So therefore, if we want to be saved, we can look nowhere else but to Jesus. Who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can go to the Father but through Jesus. No other way, through no other religion, through no other philosophy, but through Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, the chosen one to be the Savior of the world. That's who he is. He's my Savior. I don't know if he's your Savior. Can somebody this morning say that? He's my Savior too. And so... Because he was chosen, 
to be the savior of the world. There were certain things that had to take place. Let me put it this way. There was a certain way in which God had to do it, bring about salvation to the world. It was a specific way. God could not just save the world by just snapping his finger. He could not save the world just by waving a wand. There was a particular way, specific way, in which if he was going to save the world from their sins, from eternal damnation, that it had to be done. And that way is called the birth of Jesus Christ into this world. He had to be born in this world as a human being in order to bring salvation. If there is no birth or if there was no birth, listen, there is no salvation. If there was no birth, then there would be no Christian. Our faith is founded upon, number one, the fact that our Savior was born. And can I just say that that's maybe a little, I don't know if to say hard for us to grasp. Because in the time of Jesus, and here in the time of the first century of the writings of the Gospels and of the New Testament, the authors, the believers, and the disciples had to be convinced that Jesus, the man, was also God. You see, their issue was not seeing Jesus as a man. Because that's the only way they knew him. And they started to gradually, little by little, they started to see him as God. And it was hard. That's why when we read the episodes of about the disciples being in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm, them being afraid. And of Jesus continually in moments where they're tested, he says, oh, you have little faith. Because they could not see his divinity. They could not see him as God. They only saw him as a man. Our problem today is not that we have trouble seeing him as God and not as man. Our problem is that we have trouble seeing him as man because the way we know Jesus, we know him by what the word says. And we already have received the revelation that he is God. And so when you come to Christ, you come to him because you believe that he is God. We don't have problem seeing Jesus as God. We have a problem seeing him in his humanity. And he was 100% human. Like he was 100% God. But I want you to get that. Because in order for us to have faith, to believe, we need to believe, first of all, in the humanity, in the full humanity of Jesus Christ. He was a human being just like you and me. He was just like you and me. And so when we summarize the biblical teaching about the person of Christ, we would have to say this, and I want you to get this, that Jesus Christ was fully God 
And he was fully man in one person. And he will be so forever. Say with me. Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God in one person. Can you repeat that again? Can you say Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God in one person? So when we speak of the humanity of Jesus Christ, it is appropriate for us to begin with considering one aspect that is different from any other human birth. The fact that his birth was not normal. It was a virgin birth. Jesus Christ was born to a woman who had never been with a man. I want you to get that. Because scripture clearly tells us that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. His mother Mary, in a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, and without a human father. So he was a hundred percent man, but he was also a hundred percent God. And I know there's not going to be too many amens right now in the beginning, but we'll get there. I'm just establishing the foundation. And so it's important for us to not only know and see Jesus as fully God or 100% God. But it's important for us to also see him as 100% human like us in the flesh. Why? Because when we read 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, John tells us, by this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So first of all, you have to know that part of our faith deals with the fact that we have to believe, number one, that Jesus Christ was not only 100% God, he was 100% human in the flesh, just like you and me. And you might be here today and you might say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with me? How is that important to my belief as a Christian today? Well, number one, I'll tell you why it's important. Number one, because not everybody believes that Jesus Christ was really human. Not everybody that you come and encounter with outside of these four walls and outside of Christianity will agree that Jesus Christ was fully 100% human. There are some that will say that he wasn't fully 100% human. So it's important for us to know that. Because if you don't believe that, then you can't be considered a believer. But listen, I want to tell you a few truths about this. In verse 18, we are given the narrative, the story of Jesus' birth. And Matthew tells us, starting in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, he says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is weird. But listen, it says, because Joseph, her husband, 
was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The first thing as we read the story is that we realize that it's important for us to believe in the birth of Jesus in his full humanity because it shows us, listen, number one, it shows us that salvation ultimately comes from the Lord. Knowing that Jesus was born, that he was born, listen, and it wasn't a man thing. It was a God thing. Matthew specifically says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. How? Number one, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they came together, before they came together, you know what that means? I don't want to go into details right now because there's some little kids in this place. Before they came together, before they got married, before they had intimate relationships, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And so what did Joseph do? Just to establish the fact that it wasn't his child. This, listen, just to establish the fact that Joseph, this was not his doing. Matthew says, he was planning secretly to let her go, to divorce her, because it wasn't his baby. And so I want you to get this, because an angel of the Lord now has to appear to Joseph to convince him to stay with her and let him know that this baby in her womb wasn't a result of an extramarital affair. It wasn't because she was sleeping around. It wasn't because she was unfaithful. It wasn't a man thing. It was a God thing. So the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived inside of her is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. I came to tell you this morning that salvation, the grace of God, is not something that comes from human effort. It comes from the full, total, unique 
an exclusive work of God. You can't earn salvation. There's nothing that you could ever do to gain God's favor. There are not enough works in this world that you could do to get God to love you. What you have to understand is that salvation does not depend on what you can do to get to God. Salvation depends on what he has done to get to you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's doing inside of you. That's what he's doing in your life. The Holy Spirit is working. He's working out the salvation of the Lord in your life. Stop. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to obtain it. And just step back and receive it. Because it's by grace. And not by works. The angel of the Lord, when he appears to Joseph in the dream, says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There's another translation that says it in this way. That what is in her is from the Spirit. Or I'm sorry, let me put it this way. What is in her is of the Spirit and is holy. This is a work of God. There's no human effort involved in this situation. The only thing that Mary could do was simply receive the Word of God and believe the Word of God. The only thing that she could do to obtain the promises of God in her life was to simply just believe God at his word. And I don't know who I came to talk to this morning, but I came to tell you salvation, the promises of God have nothing to do with you earning it. And it has everything to do with God simply giving it by grace. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, Joseph. Because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And angel says to Joseph, and you will name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. I'm going to repeat that again. He will save his people from their sins. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's great news this morning. Because that tells me that I can stop trying to earn the salvation. I can stop trying to be so good and perfect, which I will never be in my life. And that means that I can simply just depend on God and his work and his salvation through Jesus Christ, my Savior and my Lord, who one day was born of a woman, virgin woman, through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the way God's going to do it with you. It's not through might. It's not through power. But by my spirit, says the Lord, I came to tell you this morning, God is going to do it through his spirit. Not your work. That's how it comes. That's how he does it. Praise God for that. Because when I read the Bible through and through, I see man constantly messing up. Messing up. Abraham lied. Moses murdered somebody. David committed adultery. And on and on and on. When I look at my life, I can only say, God, why would you even choose somebody as weak as me to fulfill your purposes? And the only answer I can come to is that salvation belongs to the Lord and it is his work. Not my work. I'm just an instrument in his hands. Because the work, he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit is working inside of you right now. Every single day of your life when you feel like you're not enough the Holy Spirit of God is working inside of you the salvation that comes by grace. And day by day God is taking you taking you to fulfill his purposes. Man that's good news. But listen when I think of the birth of Jesus that's one I have to realize the moment that salvation only comes by the power of God. It's his work and only his work. But number two, I see this at work here in verse 22. Verse 22. After the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and tells him, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Um, because I know you think that she was sleeping around, but she wasn't. She's been faithful. She's still a virgin. What is going to happen through her, this pregnancy, is something miraculous and supernatural. It is a work of God through the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to this son. And you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And verse 22 now says, and so all this took place. To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God with us. Say with me. God with us. The second thing that I learned as I. Look at the birth of Jesus. That is important for me and my faith. Is not only that I see that salvation is a work of the Lord and only his work. But I see that the birth of Jesus through this miraculous way. Through a virgin by the power of the Holy Ghost. Made possible the uniting of the full deity and the full humanity of, in one, of God in one person. What this means is that. The means 
that God used to send his son into the world was one in which the full humanity and full deity, which means God-likeness, would be revealed, would be expressed. And why is it necessary then for me to see that Jesus was fully human? In fact, let me rephrase that. Why was it necessary for Jesus to be fully human in order to save us, in order to save the world? Number one, it was necessary for Jesus to be fully human in order to save the world because by being fully human, he became an obedient representative of humankind. I want you to know what I'm saying right now. He became an obedient representative of humankind because as we've heard before, the first Adam sinned. Yes? He sinned. The first Adam who was the representative of humankind sinned fell short, did not meet up to God's standards. And so he lost what God had given him. And so in order for us to regain the salvation and eternal life in God, we needed another human representative that would be perfect with no sin, that would be fully obedient in following God's commands and not failing. And so Jesus had to become 100% human while still remaining 100% God so that he could represent you and me as human beings in this world to say, you know what? As a human, it is possible to kick the devil's butt and overcome sin and have victory over death. And he accomplished it because one day the Bible tells me that he was driven into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And the devil tempted him three times, but three times Jesus said, it is written. The word of God has been established. And he resisted the devil. And he won the battle. Throughout his life, he never sinned. He never fell short of the standard of God as a 100% human being. He was perfect and he went to the cross of Calvary, gave his life, shed his blood as an innocent lamb to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And he died by taking on himself your sin and my sin, the sins of the whole world. And on that cross, he gave his life. 
he was taken after he died and his body was put inside of a tomb and that tomb was sealed with a stone but on the third day the Bible tells me that this Jesus rose from the dead because death could not hold him down sin could not defeat him he was victorious And what Adam failed to do as the representative of humankind, Jesus fulfilled. And now the Bible tells us that he sits on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me daily. He is the high priest who the Bible says he can relate with you and me. Because he was tempted in all things, but in nothing did he sin. And so now when we come to him, we can come to him boldly. Because he knows what we're going through. He knows our struggles. He knows our pain. He knows what we go through day in and day out. He knows our lows and he knows our highs. And you know what? He's sitting up there on the right hand of the Father in his throne, but he is not far from you. He is with you. His presence abides in us continually to lead us and guide us so that we can be like him, so that we can live like him. Because one day, just like he resurrected, you and I will resurrect. He was our representative. He was the first fruits of the resurrection. And just like he was raised from the dead and now is seated by the right hand of the Father as fully God, but as fully human. He says, now I am with you till the end of days. I'm with you in the mornings when you wake up. And I'm with you at nights when you go to sleep. He's with you when you're crying because of the struggle you're going through. And he's with you when you're rejoicing because of the goodness that has come to your life. He knows you. But better than that, he's with you. And this continuing presence of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that is with us on a daily basis is with us so that we can take full advantage of the victory that he obtained through his life, birth, life, death, and resurrection. He's fully God and fully human because he needed to represent us. He led the way. He lived a life that now we can follow so that we can be like him. Death is not going to have the final word in your life. Destruction will not have the final word in your life. Misery will not have the last word in your life. Addiction will not have the last word in your life. Trouble will not have the last word in your life. 
Disappointment will not have the last word in your life. He overcame it all. He was victorious. And now he is our victor. He is our champion. He's our champion. And so, God is faithful because he did this to fulfill his word. He went through whatever he had to go through and he found a way to accomplish his purposes of bringing salvation. In order to reach you where you were at. In your sin. He made a way. He was faithful to his word and promise. That's what Matthew says. All this was fulfilled. Was done to fulfill. The word of the Lord. Can I tell you that there's nothing that the Lord won't do to fulfill his promises. There's nothing that the Lord will not do. To fulfill his promises. He will fulfill. He's going to do it. In your life. He's going to do it. In our church. He's going to do it. In our families. He's going to do it. So. When Joseph woke up from the dream. The Bible says he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. I don't know if he was convinced. I don't know if he was completely sure. But one thing the Bible tells me is that he was obedient to God's word. He did exactly what the Lord commanded him through the angel. He was obedient. And I don't know who I came to talk to this morning, but in the face of uncertainty in our life, in the face of maybe the lack of the presence of God being felt in our lives, we can be tempted to abandon God's purposes like Joseph was tempted. We can be tempted in our doubts to leave the purposes of God. To walk away from what God wants to do. But when God speaks and when God gives a word, listen, it doesn't matter what your eyes are seeing. It doesn't matter what the circumstances may be around you. I don't live by what I see. I live by faith in the word of God. The everlasting eternal word. He is the author. And the finisher. Of my faith. And so therefore. I will obey his word. Even though I might not see it. I will walk. In obedience to his word. Because I know. God is faithful. Joseph, listen, this is not complicated. 
living according to God's word and living in obedience to his word and walking by faith and taking God at his word is not a secret. You don't need to be super spiritual to do it. The Bible says Joseph took Mary home as his wife. That's what the angel said. That's what the word of God says. You don't have to complicate it. You don't have to look for the Greek and the Hebrew meaning to understand what God is saying. All you need to do is take him at his word and just do what it says. If his word says love your neighbor, love your neighbor. If his word says love those that hate you, Oh, yeah, pastor, but that's not what it means. It really means this and that and it. Love those that hate you. Take God at his word. If he says all things are possible to those that believe, believe. Just believe. Take him at his word and put it into practice. He took Mary home as his wife. And he did not have intimate relationship with her until she gave birth to the son. And then it finishes by saying, and he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. Savior. That's his name. Name above all names. He's our Savior. Who was born one day. His name is Jesus. The Christ. The anointed. To be the Savior. Of the world. Can you trust him this morning? Can, can, can you just in this Christmas before the year's out can you just say you know what I've been trying on my own I've been working so hard to be so good I've been trying to be so perfect I've been trying to win God's favor I've been trying and trying and doing and, and you've worked yourself out to the point of exhaustion and disappointment and discouragement because you realize something you're not perfect can you at the end of this year whatever is left of the year can you say you know what God I'm going to choose to put my trust completely in Jesus my savior that's who he is I can't save myself the government can't save you money can't save you nothing nothing else in this world can save you the only one that can save you is Jesus Christ the chosen one by the father to break the chains of sin to overcome death 
give you the victory. Come on, if this morning you say, I'm going to put my trust completely in him. Raise your hands right there where you're at. Say, God, I'm going to put my trust totally in you. And only you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Come on. Say, God, I'm putting my trust in you. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still says, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us, and I'll see you next time.